So this morning, um, it's, uh, b- by the way, those of you who haven't met me, I'm Jeremy, I'm one of the elders here, um, and uh, it's just lovely to see you. Um, so my, my question this morning is, ha- have you ever been to a birthday party and, um, a- and, and w- maybe it's on the invitation, maybe it's not on the invitation, but the thing that you're doing is a paintball um, championship. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it really hurts. <laughs> Um, and and uh, those of us who are pr- perhaps slightly less aggressive or less assertive, you know, we, we, we really like safe zones. Or maybe when you're a kid at school, right, and you're playing tag in the playground, and I don't know, maybe the, maybe the tetherball pole is the safe zone, or I don't know, somebody's brother, sister's cousin is the safe zone, you go and they touch that person, whatever. Please ask them first, by the way. <laughs> um, but you, know, you, you have a safe zone, don't you? You go and you want, oh yeah, you, ca- you can't tag me because I'm here. Yes. <laughs> Ah, yes. We like safe zones, don't we? And, and this week at work, um, we, uh, we, we, we had the privilege of having a whole week of safety week. And uh, actually, it was quite helpful, really interesting. And we had lots of opportunities to talk about safety in, in a variety, variety of different ways. Safety for our mental health, safety for our physical health, safety as we do um, maintenance on equipment that might be you know, high risk, you know, high voltage, Machinery, for example. And so um, we also talked about safety for earthquake zones. Now, praise God, we're not in that area, but just think about our friends and colleagues and, and the humanity in, in Afghanistan, um, Afghanistan over these last weeks in Turkey, where they've had to think about this. Japan, where they've had to think about safety. Or maybe... Um, this might be me, me when I go in the garden because I, always, I, I don't know why. I'm just mowing the lawn and I somehow bump my head. How does that happen? I don't understand. I bump my head when I mow the lawn. I don't get it. Anyway, so maybe I need to be dressed up like this. But at work, we have PPE, personal protective equipment, don't we? You have safety shoes, you have gloves, you have the jacket, you have the high-vis vest, you've got the hat, the goggles, you've got everything, right? It's about safety. It's about safety and keeping ourselves um, safe so that we can go home healthily. And these are all good things. But maybe you've gone to Warwick and, uh, or, or maybe Leeds Castle down in Kent. Um, and, and you visited a castle and there's a moat around and there's drawbridges. And you think about these medieval knights and their families and their towns. And when they were under threat, they would retreat back into the castle. And they would be safe there because they had all these defense mechanisms in place. And this is intriguing me, and I've been thinking about this whole concept of safety. But maybe on a more serious note, have you ever experienced a time where you're frightened, or maybe deeply afraid? Maybe even now you're passing through deep and uncertain waters that are leaving you confused. Maybe leaving you concerned or uncertain as to where to turn. I think many in this room can relate to the frightening and worrying things going on around us. It could be that you're wrestling with the choices you've made in your life and the consequences of those choices. Maybe you're wrestling with a deep sense of dissatisfaction or emptiness in your life. Questioning, you know, where do I get the strength to go on tomorrow? Will I ever feel safe? So to help define these qu- answers to these questions, I wanted to turn to the book of Proverbs today. 
if we may. You know, I think the Bible, as we've learned over the weeks and months that we've been studying Luke, and as always over the years, we learn that the Bible is a place to turn. We can find answers to these questions. But please turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 18 in your Bibles. And we're just going to look at one verse today. (coughs) Proverbs 18 and verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The name of the Lord is a strong or fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So before we explore this passage, I have a few things I would really like the young or the young at heart to help me with. Um, You may have noticed that there's paper and cardboard and pallets around. And what I would really like you to do, and and lo and behold, I have a box of um, Jenga here and another box of Jenga here. Um, I really want some people to help me build some towers but I want you to build them with safety in mind. Build them so that we can have places of safety. So it's not the tallest tower that comes crashing down. Not if you want to do that, but it's the tower that's the safest is what we're looking for. But then what I also have is I've got, I've got some cardboard here. And I would really love some people help me to write, the Lord is a strong tower on it. <laughs> but what I want to do is we, as, 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 as they do that for us, and it's happy noise, isn't it? There we go. All right. All right. So we'll try again. So have you ever turned to the scriptures and, and um, thought back to consider the variety and the scope of the scriptures and the diversity of these 66 books that have been put together and into what we call the Bible? don't know if anybody can hear me or not, but we're all good. Okay. Have you, have you thought about that? So we, what, what have we got? We've got books of history and, and, and the law, haven't we? We've got prophets. We've got poetry. We've got wisdom l- literature. We've got the Gospels, eyewitness accounts of Jesus. We've got letters that tell the church how do we do day-to-day life as Christians. And then we've got apocalyptic letters like the Revelation that tells us about the end times and when Christ is going to return and set up his kingdom and then rule forever as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Isn't that wonderful that we've got this collection of 66 books, individual books, pulled together in one, uh, in one compiled book that we call the Holy Scriptures. But the passage that we read today, that we read today in Proverbs 18, comes from the wisdom literature. It's a book of wisdom. And, and, you know, Proverbs, I love the Proverbs. It's full of golden nuggets of, of information, of wisdom, of guidance. You know, think about Proverbs 3. You, know, the, you, you open the book and, 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 and these, these passages, passages that have been attributed to Solomon. You know, in chapter 2 he says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, you know, m- making your ear attentive to win- wisdom. Or chapter 3, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and who gets understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes, happy chaos. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and what, what about chapter, so we read chapter 18. What about chapter 20, 21, 22, where it says, Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. 
You know, history is important. The landmarks that our families, that our forefathers in terms of faith have set are important. Chapter 31, isn't that lovely? You get the, the, the woman of worth. You know, read this. I would love to work with one of these managers. I would love to work with this business owner. She was wise. She was there. She was, she was industrious. I would love to work with someone like that. And she was successful. And her husband was, uh, was busy as well. And, and, and they were respected in their community. Isn't this lovely? So this is what we get in this wisdom literature. As I said, it was attributed to Solomon. And when he became king, I think this is also interesting. In, in 1 Kings 3, we get where Solomon became king. And, and, and God appeared to him in a dream. And in that dream, God says to him, what is it that you would want? I'm paraphrasing. And what does Solomon say? He says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart or mind to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And God was very pleased with this request and gave and, and, and request to have wisdom before anything else. You see, Solomon asked for wisdom, not riches, not glory. He asked for wisdom. And this is what we get in the Proverbs. We get the result of that gift that God gave him was that spirit of wisdom. Now we can read the story of Solomon. He didn't quite finish so well, but he started out. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, uh, he had a fairly roving eye, didn't he? But these are the wisdom, wisdom passages that we can learn about. And, and the Old Testament is, is the redemption and it's the storage. But anyway, so carrying on with the word, book of Proverbs, because I'm just kind of explaining this because I really want you to be passionate about this lovely book called the Proverbs. Does it flow nicely? Does it have a lovely story beyond chapter 8? No. It's like nugget after nugget, verse after verse that don't really hang together. It doesn't seem like they hang together. But it gives you so much wisdom. And then you finally get to chapter 31 and the wonderful views there. This is what the Proverbs are. And you get these characters, you get the wise, you get the fool. And, and the wise, just think about this, the wise are those who embrace the covenant. The wise are, the, uh, and, and then the fool, those who just oppose God. The fool doesn't want to know anything about God. And then you get what's called the simple, the person who's not committed either way. This is the background to Proverbs. This is the background to what we're reading. So let's look, so, so let's look at this name. <coughs> Recently, Steve, Steve uh, Brown spoke to us about the names that we give our children, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Why we call our children children. I do wonder why in some countries it's, you know, John III. I won't suggest which country that might be, but it's across the ocean and it's one of the bigger countries in the world. Um, but anyway. Um, <laughs> You, you, you get these names, right? And they're special to us, aren't they? They come down, they're historic names. So my middle name is Robert. My grandfather was Stanley Robert. My mom's uncle was Uncle Bob, Robert. It's these family names that come through to us. We, 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 we've learned in other cultures that there's certain names that mean certain things. You know, our friends who moved to Eastbourne recently, their last name is Abby, but that actually means blue. It's really cool. So we get a message yesterday, you know, Love to you all from the family blue. It was really lovely. These names mean something, and they give a specific purpose. And even Solomon's name meant something. 
So a name can be important. It's like giving a person a name and they become recognizable. They become unique. And in ancient times, a person named was much more than a random identifier or a title. A name expresses the person's nature, their character, the individual characteristics or attributes. This is why names are important. If we were all nameless, how would I greet you when you come through the door? Hello. It just wouldn't be strange, but I can say, you know, hello Anton, I can say hello Louise, I can say hello Caroline, because that name means you. It's individual, it's unique, and it's special. That's you, and that's wonderful. So the name of the Lord our God means something. The name represents his essential character and his authority. The name of the Lord. So at the beginning of the scriptures, we see God, the maker of the heaven and earth, introducing himself to the people of Israel by the name of Yahweh. Now, we don't know exactly how that is said. It's a lot of consonants, Y-H-W-H. But it's his name, and it's wonderful and beautiful. You know, the God Questions team points out that the name of the Lord and the character of God, they're interchangeable. King David said, those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God makes his character known to us through his word, through the person of Jesus Christ, and through the multifaceted revelations expressed in his many names. You know, think about these names that we read of in scripture. Elohim, the creator of the universe. Yahweh, as we said is the covenant-keeping eternal I am. El Shaddai. He is the all-sufficient, all-powerful God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. These are the names of God that we read about in the Old Testament and as such deserve awe and reverence. The titles by which he made himself known are descriptive, and his attributes, which are being merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. But behind all of this is the person, and that person is the Lord, the sovereign God. And as such, we're on holy ground. Holy ground. Matthew 6, where the Lord Jesus, he teaches us his, the prayer, Our Father. How does he say? He goes on and says, Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Sorry, let me rephrase that in modern language. Hallowed be your name. There's a reverence, there's an awe there of the name of God, who we'll get to as a strong tower. Why did he want his name hallowed? Because in that way his name is set apart, it's made holy. As a writer says, when Jesus petitions God to hallow his name, he is asking that God act in such a way that he visibly demonstrates his holiness and his glory. God demonstrates his holiness by the world by creating a holy people who will call upon his name, proclaim the gospel, and accomplish good works. <clears throat> so no one likes their names forgotten or misspelled or mispronounced. And I, I get really embarrassed when I forget people's names. And it's interesting, some of my colleagues put on their signature, they put their phonetic spelling. And I'm so thankful for that because for example, a lady by the name of, uh, from, from Zimbabwe, her name is Farai. But when you look at her spelling, I'm not sure I really would have said it correctly. So I'm grateful that she's done that. 
Our names are part of our identity, part of our worth. So we have value. We want a good name, don't we? We want a blameless reputation. And so God's name speaks of his identity, his character, and his actions. He guides me along the right paths for my name's sake, and he's referring to God's actions by the way he guides us. God's name is his character. It's his reputation, and it must be set apart in this world. And that's what Jesus teaches us to pray for. So as we consider just this one verse today, it's important to pause and reflect on the person we are speaking about. The Lord our God is holy. He has always existed. He continues forever, unchanged, because as J.I. Packer says, his eternal nature is to do so. He transcends all time and space. He's not limited by that. He's omniscient. He's in every place. He is here now. And he has the power to do everything that in his rational moral perfection that he, God, wills to do. Of course, he cannot lie. He cannot change his character or his nature. He's the sovereign Lord of all. As we build these towers, we build these these strong towers. He is the sovereign Lord of them. Friend, the person we know as the Ancient of Days, he is a Savior. Jesus, who is Lord. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who leads and guides and protects us. We'll come on to that in a few moments. A Christian's worship is to do the living Lord ever-existing God who is known as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's because of who God is, we are compelled to bow down in His presence and praise and worship and holy reverence. So we've spoken about God. We've worshipped Him. We've learned that His name is a strong tower. The name of God and His person are synonymous. But we might ask, you've read a proverb that's you know, from 965 or whatever it was BC, why and how does that apply to me today? But it does, because Jesus has been here, because Jesus is alive, and he is the personification of wisdom. We've learned about him as being a savior, just briefly, momentarily touched on it. But in this proverb, the name of the Lord, it is the name of Jesus that you and I can turn to today, now, and find in him everything that we need. Amen. You know, he is the essence of God. He is God in himself. We can turn to him. Because all those attributes that we spoke of before, the, before we sang those songs, that is Jesus. And we can learn through the scriptures that he steps into our very circumstances at the finest level of detail. John 9, the blind man born from birth. Jesus touched his eyes and he saw. Matthew, a tax collector that everybody hated, sat in his little booth collecting his taxes. Collecting his taxes for the state, unrighteously. His life transformed by the look of Jesus saying, Matthew, follow me. A loving father who went against the cultural norms. He gave his son his inheritance before he, before he, before he, you know, he should have. 
When his son wasted it, what did he do? He waited, and he waited, and he waited, and then his son returned. Friends, that is what Jesus wants to do for you today. He is waiting for your return, and he will bring you into his arms and embrace you. The Father will embrace you. That is what Christ does for us now. Because Christ is living. He died on that cross for our sins. He shed his precious blood so that we could be redeemed. He was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. That's what he did for you. That's why we as Christians have hope. Jesus did it then, and he's waiting for you now. You know, if, we are, if the Lord leaves us and we come to chapter 17 of Luke at some point in time, the ten lepers, man, those guys must have had a rough life. Banished because they had leprosy. But Jesus touched them all. And what did one do? He returned. And like we just did, he gave glory to God. Will you have glory? Give glory to God from your heart and your soul and your entire being today because Christ has changed your life. In an instant, now, today, has he done it? He will do it if you let him. That's the Savior. That's the Lord, the name of the Lord that's the strong tower. Jesus is that strong tower. He is the one we can turn to now. He's ready and waiting, willing now to save. It's a hymn we used to sing. Some of the room will be familiar with that. So the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Because he is capable of safeguarding, guarding all that call upon the name. The prophet Joel says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul repeats that same phrase in Romans 10. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you cry out to the Lord now from your heart, you will be saved. And my, oh my, we'd love to baptize you in a three weeks time. Wouldn't that be amazing? Turn to the Savior. Turn to the Savior. He can save you. He can fill your life. You know, on a personal level, we may be facing so many things. Financial uncertainty. You have family or friends who hurt you and, 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 and broken your trust. We know that has happened just in the last days. Some are saying, if God is real, why is all this stuff going on? Well, we know that's because there's sin in the world. But God is sovereign over all. And we can trust in that. He is allowing these things to happen, but believe me, it is finite. God will only let evil go so far, and then he will have his say. Trust in that. Because Christ has died, that is why I can say that. <coughs> Satan no longer has any power, because Jesus has broken Satan's power on that cross. By breaking the power of death, by rising again from it, Jesus has defeated Satan already. So evil has a finite limit. Jesus is, is Proverbs again. Who is closer than a brother? There's a friend that is closer than a brother. That's Jesus, isn't it? And that's from the Proverbs. Isn't that lovely? And there are so many in this room who have proven what I've just been speaking about and can tell you from their experience and from their heart how much Christ means to them. Jesus is that strong tower where you can find comfort, safety, and protection. And faith in Jesus gives us that daily strength 
to face into this life with courage and certainty. It celebrates with us. He celebrates with us. He rejoices with us. And he comforts us when we feel broken. And above all, faith in Jesus assures us of an eternal future in the presence of God. But we can have the joy of that eternal future now in our hearts because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Spirit that Christ has given us. This is the strong tower. He is the name that is the strong tower. I'm going to finish now. And I want to play a, a, a music video that, you know, the end of it, I hope we can all sing with our hearts. It's a children's song, but we can all sing it with our hearts. But the story behind this, just before we get started, is, is this. Um, there's, some of you may be familiar with a, 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 an organization called International Justice Mission, or Ministry, I can't quite remember exactly. But the church in Sydney, they wanted to, they, they worked with IJM quite a bit, and they really wanted to partner with them in some way in ministry. So this song, they had written several years before, but they partnered with IJM to have a choir form to sing this song. Let me tell, let me tell you about this choir. They're all Filipino ladies. These ladies have been rescued by IJM from the most horrendous circumstances. They were all um, enslaved in the sex trade in the Philippines. Horrendous circumstances. Now with that context, when I watched this video, I couldn't help but well up in tears thinking about the look on these ladies' faces of joy because they have found the strong tower in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Enjoy this film. Sing the final part with all your heart, and then we'll celebrate our last song together.
Jesus loves you. This I know. Because this Bible tells me so. Give your life to him today. Let him fill your heart. And find in him everything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are our Savior. Thank you that you are uh, strong and kind. You're faithful. And we can always run to you. You're always available for us. You're always there. You're glorious. You're majestic. You're almighty. You're powerful. And you're our Savior. Let us turn to you today. And I thank you for Father, for your help today. And now let's look at what these children have to give us. Father, thank you for for them. And I pray now that you would bless us for the rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen.